Saratoga Lights, Season 2, Episode 1, Prologue. In a lonely diner, alongside a dusty highway, just outside a long-forgotten old town, Sarah Rio sits down in an empty booth. The weight of the world still firmly rested upon her shoulders. She pulls a pack of Markhams out of her jacket and places them along with the lighter on the table in front of her. Can I get you anything? I'll have a coffee. Sarah doesn't look at the waitress. Waitress doesn't seem to care. She's used to it. Sarah tries to occupy her mind. She begins to straighten her pack of cigarettes so that it's perfectly parallel to the ladder resting beside it. A series of little taps, and she re-examines. Good enough. Sarah? You're late. I apologize for my tardiness. I may have taken one or two wrong turns on the way over here. Last I checked, Wendell, it's a straight shot from here to La Mesa. Any twisting and turning means you're probably up to no good. No good? Do I strike you as such a man? Evil takes many forms. She doesn't return his smile. Just looks right into his soul and allows him to peek into hers. A silence falls between them. Sarah returns to her obsession with her cigarettes in relation to the edge of the table. Wendell fishes an old, chewed-up pencil out of his pocket and flips open his notepad. Neath that great highway moon I saw old Scratch with jagged horn. Low, low, the evil beast, t'was always Texas born. What's that? It's Judd Mortimer Lewis. First poet laureate. Sarah's never heard of the guy and doesn't really care about poetry, but nods in acknowledgement, all the same. What can I get you? Just a glass of ice water for me, please. We're out of ice. Well, I imagine room temperature would be equally as refreshing after the day I had. The waitress, again, retreats back behind the counter. Wendell looks around the diner for the first time, takes it all in. The buzzing neon signs, the old country song playing on the jukebox. It's a relic of a time long gone. The diminishing light of an extinguished campfire that once burned bright. Sarah must be right at home. Cozy. Sarah puts a cigarette in her mouth, preparing to light it. I spend most nights here these days. I'm kind of a regular. No smoking. The voice calls out from across the diner. Sarah, annoyed, puts the cigarette back in the pack before shooting the waitress a look. Good food? Sure. I've never been the domestic type. Not much sense in trying to prepare dinner for myself when I can pay someone else to do it here. I agree. 
So what's this all about? Hey, on the phone, you said you had some more questions. Just wanted to follow up on a couple items. I saw that you sold the bar. That's not a question. Why'd you sell the bar? Too much blood to clean up. A little baking soda and some cold water would do the trick. You wouldn't understand. Try me. It was a violation. It was mine. Legally. Morally. And he came in and took it as his own. As if it was owed to him. As if the world belonged solely to him by virtue of the dick with which the good Lord saw fit to endow him. I've been looking into this Molina character for a while He's not the one that pulled the trigger. William? The, The brother? Sarah shoots a little finger gun at Wendell, as if to say, bingo. Regardless, the regulars won't even know I'm gone. I think everyone who walks in expecting to see you is going to be in for a shock when they see that old curmudgeon Charlie Sandberg slumped over behind the bar. You don't think Charlie has the same charm as I? My impression is that you gave everyone in there a reason to live. If nothing else, you were the bright light at the end of a dreary day for many of those men out looking for work. What reason does a corpse have for living? Those men are already dead. They're just in too much of a stupor to admit it so. Hard times. Hard times nothing. I'm getting by just fine. She was. Sarah was a survivor to her core. And Wendell knew that she wouldn't allow the same mistake to happen again. Well, as Governor Clemens would say, you are a shining example of the grit and gumption that defines this great state of ours. (coughs) Where is that water? Throat? Still? My wife says I should go to the doctor, but what can you tell me that I don't already know? Usually a glass of ice water is enough to suppress it, but I imagine room temperature will be equally as refreshing after the day I had. Do you believe in God? Go to church three times a week. I'm a deacon. I remember this deacon at my mom's church. He wore these suits that cost more than our station wagon. But he was as humble as could be. You know? The kind of person who you're thankful he has the means that he does because it's his nature to give and provide charity to those who need it and, and need it the most. It was an inherent selflessness that you don't see anymore. He was always the first to enter the building and the last to leave whenever the church gathered. Silver streak through his hair. Always had a smile on his face. Probably your age, actually. My mother likes to tell this story. One night after services, he invited the whole congregation over to his home for a potluck. He had a swimming pool in ground. Definitely the only person I knew in all of San Antonio with a swimming pool. At the time, I was four, so naturally I was drawn to this pool. Like a moth to a flame, my sister and I would toddle right to the edge of the water before our mother would scoop us up and scald us for almost drowning ourselves and casting the pall upon a perfectly good potluck. The deacon watched us do this two or three times before he took off his shoes, neatly laid his jacket on the ground, 
and climbed into the pool, cufflinks and all. And for the next hour, he floated around with us, clinging to his back. About two months later, he died of a heart attack. No symptoms, no warning, just went to bed one night and passed away. His wife tried to wake him the next morning, but he was already gone. Sarah sips her coffee and takes a long, hard look at it. The black abyss of her coffee sure does look an awful lot like the black abyss of her life. It matters not what we do. Deacon, barmaid, outlaw. We'll all end up together before the Lord in judgment. Amen to that. We'll all be burning in hell one day. And with that proclamation, she finishes off the remainder of her coffee. Wendell looks around, slightly annoyed that the scratchiness in his throat has grown to the level that it has. (coughs) Where is that water? Sarah finally stops obsessing about her coffee and looks up at Wendell, mildly shocked. There's a small trickle of blood coming out of his right tear duct. She motions to her own eye, trying to direct his hand. A drop of blood falls on the table in front of Wendell. Wendell reaches up to his eye and sees the blood on his finger. And then another drop falls. And another. He stumbles out of his chair and rushes to the restroom leaving his now blood-stained notepad on the table. Sarah watches him go. She fishes another cigarette out of the pack and places it in her mouth, then grabs the lighter off the table to light it. No smoking. The voice calls out from across the diner. Sarah looks up at the waitress, then defiantly flicks the lighter. This was in Texas. Saratoga Lights is written and directed by Randall LaRue. Audio recording and engineering by Matthew David Rudd. Music by Randy Reynolds. This episode featured the voice talents of Joanna Bartlett, Randall LaRue, Sage Hilton, and Matthew David Rudd. Until next time. Uh, Excuse me.